Welcome to EM Guidewire, brought to you by the emergency medicine residents and faculty at Carolina's Medical Center in Charlotte, North Carolina. Core Concepts of Emergency Medicine. Welcome to this week's Core Concepts, brought to you by the EM Guidewire team from the Carolinas Medical Center EM Group. How about some introductions today? We have a couple residents here with me. My name is Craig London. I'm a PGY2 here. Russell Tregonis, PGY3. Claire Milam, PGY1. Go interns. Hey. This week's installment is sponsored by the ANA test. ANA test, just like the triple quilted TP. It's so, so sensitive. ANA test. Now let's get on with the show. This week, we're going to be talking about lupus. So like I said, today we'll be talking about systemic lupus erythematous, a disease we learned a whole bunch of random facts about in medical school and have quickly forgotten during residency and beyond. Or if anyone's watched House, you know that every disease presentation in the entire world can be blamed on lupus, but it's never lupus. But what if it is lupus? Look, House says it's not lupus, and I'm going to trust him over you. He is a TV doctor, and that's the real deal. Sorry, I am not sorry right now, Claire. Uh, All right, let's touch on some very brief background facts about lupus, and then we'll discuss what we need to know as EM providers regarding this tricky, tricky disease. So SLE literally means systemic, which is obvious. It affects every organ system in the body. Erythematous, that's also obvious. It's a red rash. And lupus, but that's Latin for wolf. Some people think it's because the cutaneous findings resembled a wolf back in the day. Essentially, lupus causes acute on chronic inflammation of every organ system in the body. One out of every 2,000 people have lupus, with it being more likely to affect women than men. It's also more common in non-Caucasians. Now, what does this mean? That we're going to see more than a few lupus patients in our careers. Everything is lupus. (laughs) (laughs) Well, okay. (laughs) Um, So we'll see some in our careers. Um, So let's figure out some common pitfalls of managing people with lupus. It's very rare that we will diagnose people with lupus in the ED. You have to have four out of 11 random ailments coupled with a blood test that takes three days to come back. So it's not really practical for us. However, for completeness sake, that bit of information is included in the show notes. And that's a really good point, Claire. Like, it's important to note that people living in lupus are in a constant state of remissions and flares. And when they present to you, even with kind of minor complaints, you have to think, is this just a random minor complaint, or is this caused by a lupus flare, or even could this be caused by their lupus medication? The take-home message from this talk is, as someone presents with known lupus history, take a second, stop yourself, and consider if more workup is needed or more observation is needed. As a general rule, people who have lupus are very pro-coagulable and immunocompromised. A good combination as always. So let's get into some of the details now. Again, lupus is a long laundry list of random facts, so we're only gonna talk about the most important ones. The best way to do it is to review a couple of cases. All right, so let's say we're sitting in a low acuity part of our ED, for us AEC, when a 32-year-old female presents with intermittent chest pain for two days. There's not real much radiation to it. Maybe it's exertional, maybe not. She's relatively thin, smells like cigarettes, and denies having any family history of cardiac disease or stroke. Now, patient is a little bit tachypnic, has some shortness of breath, especially after smoking, but otherwise denies any nausea or vomiting. No meds except for prednisone for the lupus flares, last one about a month ago. And here she's afebrile, heart rate of 95, respiratory rate's only around 16, blood pressure 145 over 90, and satting 100% on room air. She's also not having any chest pain currently. Okay, cool. So we have a young, relatively healthy patient with weird chest pain, normal vital signs. She's a little slightly hypertensive, but no real family history of heart disease. 
I'd get a screen EKG, then say hello and goodbye shortly after. Now, what if there's a nonchalant kind of T-wave inversion in V5 or V6? Does that change anything for you, Craig? Well, she's not having any chase pain now, right? So, no. Cardiology follow-up at her convenience. Okay, what if I told you people with lupus are at a 10 times higher likelihood of suffering from ACS than the general population? I would be getting troponins and deltas on every lupus patient that presents with anginal symptoms or anginal equivalents. Wow, 10 times more likely? I had no idea. I know. In med school, we learned they might test false positive for syphilis. I promise it's false. I promise it's a false positive. But that they are a much higher risk for MI. Fun facts. Okay, cool. Let's do another case. This time one that's a little bit more scary. Now we have a patient, she's 40 years old, who presents with a BP of 90 over 75. She's gasping for breath. She's speaking in three-word sentences. What's going on with this patient? I mean, come on, you're going to have to give me more information than that. How's her physical exam? Fair enough. Diffuse crackles, a murmur even an ED physician can hear, no cardiac effusion on ultrasound. Mitral valve rupture? Awesome. Correct. People who have Libman-Sachs endocarditis have an increased risk of abrupt valve rupture. Also worth mentioning, people can also have increased risk of cardiac effusion, tamponade, right heart failure, and that can be from either idiopathic causes or chronic small pulmonary embolisms. And similarly, from a respiratory standpoint, people with lupus are at an increased risk of pleural effusions, pneumonia, and interstitial lung disease. Okay. I mean, that makes a lot of sense. Now, we've already said that people with lupus are at increased risk of infections, but they're also procoagulable. Absolutely. A lot of problems people with lupus have are problems we already know how to care for. Septic joint, stroke, PE, you know, the normal stuff. Absolutely. But let's talk about some more rare presentations that need to be on our radar. We have another patient, she's 22 years young, and she presents with a first-time seizure. She's got no infectious symptoms, her electrolytes are okay, her sugar's normal, her UA doesn't show any signs of infection, she is not pregnant, her head CT is normal, she denies any tox causes, and for some reason you actually believe the patient when she says she denies all drug use. Yeah, so this could be a lupus seizure. Now, lupus seizures are rare, and sometimes they don't even respond to benzos. And as an extreme, you might have to intubate, sedate them, and paralyze them, and possibly even consult rheumatology. Or who are we kidding? If you're doing all this, you're definitely consulting rheumatology. Now, speaking of weird lupus neuro stuff, who can tell me what PRESS is? Ooh, you mean posterior reversible encephalopathy syndrome? Nice. Nailed it. PGY1. Um, it presents as a subacute headache, encephalopathy, and perhaps seizure. MRI will show subcortical vasogenic edema. Press is caused by a lot of immunomodulators. So, I mean, this is a great example that if you don't think about this, you would never diagnose it. This is a rare patient population that you definitely don't want to miss. Too true. Lupus can cause some stroke mimics, like spinal artery thrombosis, atypical neuropathy, not stocking and glove, but rather an entire leg, for example. And last few things we'll talk about here, the really rare and equally as terrifying lupus presentations. These are the patients and scenarios you will see in your major treatment areas or in the resuscitation rooms. All right, here we go. You're in the ED and a nurse comes and grabs you. Doc, you have to see this patient right away. She's throwing up blood like crazy and she's hypotensive. You rush into the room and see an altered young female with blood around her mouth. Her systolics are in the 60s. Her heart rates are 130s. As you start doing all the things, hook her up to the monitor, put some oxygen on, get some access, activate your massive transfusion protocol. A family member is also in the room. The patient has been complaining of bright red blood per rectum, small amounts of hematemesis for two days. It has also been much worse over the past few hours so they came in. No history of alcohol use or liver disease. Does she have lupus? She sure does. 
So lupus can present with crazy acute vasculitis attacks that can come about in a number of different ways. Now, if this vasculitis affects the GI tract, they could present like this, a terrible GI bleed. Now, you would do all the normal things you would do to resuscitate any other GI bleeder, but instead of calling your GI team to ban varices or do things like that, you're also gonna be pushing a lot of steroids, a gram of methylprednisone, and contacting the ICU team as well as rheumatology. Here you might suggest something like plasmapheresis or IVIG. Now remember, this is a rare diagnosis so that if we in the emergency department don't bring up that we're concerned about this, this might not be considered initially by the admitting team. You could get too much diagnostic momentum in a certain direction and forget to look at things like vasculitis caused by lupus. You're also gonna wanna see if there's any free air in the belly and get a lactate which you would likely do anyways. These patients have a really high risk of bowel necrosis and perforation. You can also have massive hemoptysis if the lung vasculature is affected and or hematuria, sort of a good pastures presentation. You can even have neurovasculitis with psychosis, altered mental status, coma, seizure, things like that. Moral of the story, if someone has lupus and comes in sick as stink, you need to be strongly considering giving a gram of methylprednisone and talking about plasmapheresis or IVIG, in addition to all of the initial critical care management that you would normally be doing in the way that you would normally handle it. Oh, you mean cool, calm, collected, and with perfect hair? Yes, exactly like that, Craig. All right. <laughs> the very last bizarre lupus presentation we'll talk about is catastrophic antiphospholipid syndrome. Well, I've never heard of it, but it sounds pretty terrible, even catastrophic. It is. It is. People come in altered, modeled, with random parts of their body ice cold. It's basically arterial occlusions that happen in multiple places all at once. So let me guess. We're going to do all the things we normally do and throw a gram of methylprednisone at them. You nailed it. Also, you're going to give some heparin and... You're going to suggest? Let me guess. IVIG and plasmapheresis. Nailed it again. I think that will wrap up our talk here about lupus, but not before we give you a few brief take-home points. Now remember, these patients are people who are more likely to be infected and more likely to clot. If someone with lupus comes in with what you think is a benign complaint, give yourself another 60 seconds to think about if there should be more of a workup done to make sure you're not missing anything serious. That 29-year-old we talked about in Fast Track with chest pain, get a trope in an ECG they're 10 times more likely to suffer from ACS. And people who present really sick and in shock, do what you always do, plus give a gram of methylprednisone and suggest IVIG and plasmapheresis. That way you can just try and stabilize them enough to get them up to the ICU. All right, well, thanks again for joining us for another EM Guidewire. From the J. Lee Garvey Innovation Studios in Charlotte, North Carolina, this is EM Guidewire. Thank you, guys. Thanks for listening to EM Guidewire. Go, be awesome today. Seems he out. Play that track. <laughs> guys, I don't think we need seal playing. I think you guys can just. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs>